0: If you have your Bibles this morning, Exodus chapter 12, Exodus chapter 12 is where we'll be. We are in the sermon series entitled Imperfect, Imperfect, and as I mentioned at the beginning and, and, and oftentimes through this sermon series, uh, this sermon series is for people who are imperfect. If you are perfect and you have everything figured out, this is not your sermon series. This is not for you. If you'd like to get up and take off right now, uh, you go right ahead and get an early, early start on lunch. This is not for you. It's only for imperfect people. And by the way, we're an imperfect group of people that make up an imperfect church, that have imperfect qualities, but we come together and we worship a perfect Savior. And at the end of the day, that's where we find our level ground. That's where we find our common unity. It's in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, thank my parents for being here today. Yeah, my dad's uh, got a uh, procedure, heart procedure coming up this week if you keep him in your prayers. And, um, and then keep my mom in your prayers, That you know, she handles him with a strong arm there. And uh, anyway... Um, but I appreciate my dad and I think of the word faithfulness and obviously great is thy faithfulness, but I also like to point and look at people around me that have been faithful and, um, I just appreciate faithfulness and my dad used to always, you know, talk about different people serving different areas. He's like, man, just give me someone faithful. And I was always like, yeah, that's good. But like, they need to be good at what they're doing. And then the more that I think about it, I'm like, "No, nah, just give me someone faithful. It's all good. I'll take a bunch of faithful people and that's what, that's what we have. And, um. Man, I, I appreciate it. So the title of today's sermon, though, in Exodus chapter 12, is simply this grace now and forever. Grace now and forever. As we know, oftentimes the Old Testament gets characterized as God's justice on display. Oftentimes we think of Old Testament stories and we think of elements of the Old Testament and we see God's wrath poured out. Um, on nations, we see God's wrath poured out on people, and sometimes I'll be honest. To the mind of a skeptic, which sometimes my mind can get in that mode, sometimes I wonder, um, "Hey, you know what? What is what is this about? What, why?" And the more that I study the Old Testament, and the more that uh, I preach through the Old Testament, uh, preaching through something is much different than uh, just reading it. To be to be honest with you, uh, formulating it into sermons. I find the grace of God so evident throughout the entire Old Testament. I will say this, we knew when we were planning this series, Imperfect, uh, the timing of the series, we knew there were going to be some chunks of Moses' story that we would not be able to cover adequately in these sermons. Uh, Last Sunday, we uh, spoke on the burning bush. If you remember last week, Moses on the backside of the desert uh, with the Midianites Uh, uh, tending to sheep, and he turns the corner, he encounters a bush that is burning, but it's not consumed, he encounters God like no one had before, and last Sunday we spoke of the burning bush, and it was God's mission, now for Moses, with the help of his brother Aaron, uh, to go and to petition Pharaoh to let God's people go, you remember God's people were in slavery. Uh, they were in bondage. They were being uh, beaten. They were being, uh, they were being used in slavery and oppression. And God had called Moses. I'm not going to go back over all the story, but we understand if we've if you've been here or listened to all the sermons, we, we get the storyline now of Moses and his 40 years in waiting. And now God brings him to this moment. As Moses and Aaron petitioned Pharaoh to release God's people from slavery, uh, Pharaoh refuses. Moses and Aaron show those signs and wonders, the rod, and they throw it down, and it turns into a snake, and they pick it back up, it turns back into a rod. They show the the leprous hand, they put the hand in the garment, they pull it out, it's got leprosy, they put the hand back in the garment, the leprosy is gone. Um, Just to show the power of God, and Pharaoh over and over again says, yes, I will let the people go. And then... He doesn't. And so God sends a series of plagues, Um, nine different plagues at first from locusts to flies to the water turning into blood. God demonstrated that he could do whatever he wanted to do whenever he wanted to do them. And each of those plagues uniquely showed God's power over different elements of the Egyptian culture, even specifically over each over individual Egyptian gods. The plagues showed God's Jehovah God, Yahweh, a couple weeks ago, his power over the false gods of Egypt. But none of the plagues worked. They didn't push Pharaoh into truly letting the children of Israel go. And in fact, a a difficult text of Scripture speaks of God hardening Pharaoh's heart. And that's a tough one sometimes to get around theologically, but God had a plan, and He always does have a plan. God in His providence and in His sovereignty had a plan. And so the tenth and final plague is announced. And this plague has ramifications that will last for eternity. This was not sending locusts for an amount of time and them leaving. This was not uh, sending flies and then they would be gone. Uh, This one would last for eternity, and you may know the story. But God says that at midnight on the appointed day, the death angel would pass through the land, killing the firstborn son of every family, as well as the firstborn of all their animals. This would be a nationwide plague impacting from Pharaoh to the servant family, from the Egyptian families to the Hebrew families. No one would be excluded, except for those who closely followed the command that God gave. And that's our text today. We're in the book of Exodus, we're in chapter 12, and verse 3. On the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Down to verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Verse 13, now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be on you To destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial. And you shall keep it as a feast. To the Lord throughout your generations. By the way that's a feast to Yahweh. Throughout generations. You shall keep it as a feast. By an everlasting ordinance. Feast of the unleavened bread. Leading to what is commonly known as the Passover. We understand they get the terminology from the text this this morning. When he sees the blood, he will pass over that house. God says on a particular day, on a particular night, the death angel will come through. The death angel in Egypt would come through and every firstborn would be killed. Every firstborn uh, son, every firstborn animal would be killed and there would be no mercy there would be no grace if it, it, that that was the plan however if he saw the blood on the doorposts he would pass over he would show mercy and today we want to speak on grace now and forever jesus speak through your word today holy spirit illuminate scripture make us able to comprehend the scripture We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Number one this morning, I want us to see this. God's justice demands a sacrifice. God's justice demands a sacrifice. You see, the children of Israel were not simply in slavery and bondage and under oppression. The children of Israel had also fallen away from their God. The children of Israel had also fallen away from Jehovah, the one that they worshiped. They had fallen away. And as we know, God is a just God. By the way, just so we understand the importance of the text this morning, we need to make sure we understand many Bible scholars say that Exodus from chapter 11 through chapter 15, that this is the heart of the Old Testament. In fact, many other scholars would even go as far as saying, this is the heart of the entire scripture. What we're going to talk about today. So it's very important that we understand God's justice demands a sacrifice. And by the way, justice always requires some sort of sacrifice. Justice always does, but in this instance, the firstborn son would be the sacrifice that would be required by God's justice. Please note and understand this. This was not simply a plague on Egypt. This was going to be a plague on anyone. A plague on anyone. The children of Israel were also guilty before God in their sin. If they would not obey the commands of the Lord and sprinkle the blood over the doorpost, the firstborn of their families would have died also. God's justice is an equal opportunity offender. Lest you think you were born into the right family. Lest you think you you happen to be in the right church. Lest you think that because of something in your past or, or whoever you happen to be, lest you think no God's justice is an equal opportunity offender. Your church attendance won't help you escape it. Your good deeds won't help you escape it this morning. Your mama and your daddy won't help you escape it this morning. Your spiritual pedigree and history will not help you escape it this morning. Your race or ethnicity will not help you escape it this morning. Your bank account will not help you escape it this morning. No, justice demanded a sacrifice and it did not matter who it was. May I say this that we must understand an element of the gospel is that we must understand our lostness until we can before we can understand how to be found. We must understand that we are depraved and that we came into this world with a sinful nature. We must understand the gospel this morning is that before you can be saved, you have to be lost. And this morning, I don't care if you're Jew or Greek. I don't care if you are, are a Hebrew this morning or, or, or you're an American this morning. I don't care where you're from. I don't care where you grew up. I don't care who your mama, daddy, uncle, aunt. I don't care deacon, pastor, elder, Sunday school teacher, junior church worker. It does not matter this morning your spiritual pedigree. What matters is that we understand that we all stood before God lost, lost. Some of the problem in second and third and fourth generation Christianity is that we raise our good little boys and our good little girls in church and we never let them understand and comprehend their lostness. Let me tell you something this morning, there's there's children and teenagers that run around in churches all across America that are just as lost as someone that was raised in a country where they're not allowed to worship Jesus and they never heard the name of Jesus Christ uttered. And for those of us that grew up in church and we grew up all around this mess and we know Christianese, we're, we're bilingual. We know English and Christianese. Those are the two languages we know. We, we don't even know what people's names. We just call them brother. All right, if you grew up like that, listen, if you've never, I'm getting ahead of myself but it's okay this morning. If you've never trusted in the blood of Jesus Christ to save you from your sin this morning, you're as lost as someone who's never heard the name Jesus. And we must understand this morning that an element of the gospel and the Passover shows this is that God's justice demands a sacrifice. Listen, you're a sinner. I hate to break that news to you this morning. You're a sinner. You, grew, you say, I grew up in church. You're a sinner. Well, you don't understand. I, laid, I I paid for this in the church that one time. That's fine. You're a sinner who paid for something in the church one time. Well, I don't think you understand Josh, I, I used to do this. That's fine. You're a sinner who used to do this. Why well, I'm currently doing this. Oh, well, you're currently doing that as a sinner. And, and by the way, your sin might be pride. You might want to shut up about all you're doing. Sorry if there's some kids in here I said the shut up word. I'm sorry. I won't say it again. But this morning we must understand that it does not matter who you are or who you think you are. Then our depraved state, that we were born naturally, default, don't have to do anything. Him who knows to do good and does it not to him it is sin, we're sinners by default. And the the the, the sooner we can understand that, that we can look around at each other and we can say, hey, listen, we're all in the same boat here. We were all born depraved sinners. Listen, the, the, the quicker we'll understand the mercy and the grace of God. Two of our sinners are... Repenting and taking off at this moment and <laughs> mate three. Listen, revival sp- sparking. I'm just kidding, y'all. They are serving selflessly. And you will see them, you will see them later on. I just had to pick on them. <laughs> Holy Spirit conviction was getting hot in here. <laughs> and they're right. You know, you know. <laughs> Don't let them live that down, please, if you could. Secondly this morning I want us to see this and very importantly number one God's justice demands a sacrifice the Passover shows us that but secondly God's mercy demands the shedding of blood. You see it wasn't just any sacrifice. It wasn't just hey listen you owe a debt so figure out how you're going to pay that debt and hope and pray that it justifies the justice and wrath of God. No, there was a plan. And God made a way by the shed blood of a lamb. He, he gave, even gave them the ability, of, especially if they didn't have the money or things, they could even, did you catch in the text? They could combine with another family if they were a smaller family. They could use the blood of a goat as opposed to the blood of a lamb. God gave concessions in this, but at the end of the day, there, there had to be one thing. There had to be the shedding of blood. If you're new to Christianity, if you're new to church, it may seem odd, to be honest with you, that a group of like normal adults and teenagers and people would like sing about something like blood. Think about that. That we would rejoice. I mean, you see Tim up here, and man, we sing something about the blood, and we're like, yeah, it's like. We're singing about death, and we're like, whoo! It may seem odd, and I completely understand. However, to the skeptic or the unbeliever this morning, or to someone maybe completely unfamiliar with the faith, we must be abundantly clear this morning from Scripture. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. You see, we're not in charge of what satisfied the justice of God. We're not in charge of what would satisfy God's wrath. You see, God was in charge of that. And the Passover teaches us that a lamb had to die. And the Passover teaches us in the future from this point that the lamb had to die. Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. You see, the Passover would begin a tradition that is still followed this day by the Jewish religion. It is the most important uh, element of their their faith, and that is the Passover. That's the feast leading up to it. They celebrate those every year. It is extremely important to to the Jew, by the way, the Jew that doesn't know Jesus. But it is only this morning by the shed blood of the Lamb, the once and for all, the final Lamb, it is only by the shed blood of Jesus Christ this morning that you or I can stand before a holy God. It's the only way, the, the shed blood of Jesus this morning is the only way that I can approach God uh, in prayer. I can approach God in intercessory prayer. I can approach God with my needs and my petitions this morning. It is only by the blood, for if that blood was not sprinkled over the mercy seat and I entered into the presence of the holy God, I would die. It is only by the mercy And the shed blood of Jesus Christ. If God is to give you mercy today. It will only be through the agent of shed blood. And if God wants us to show you mercy today. And he so desperately wants to by the way. It will only be through the shed blood. Of Jesus Christ. It's perfect blood. It's holy blood. There were were some. Uh, elements here in, in in scripture that 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 gave the the firstborn. It had to be the firstborn. It had to be a male lamb. But different things. Well, guess what? Uh, Jesus came as the perfect fulfillment of all of those. Once and for all, our Passover. Jesus is our Passover. And lastly, this morning, I want us to see God's grace displayed for generations. God's grace displayed for generation, generations. You see, if we understand the full context of Scripture, if we understand from page one to the final page this morning, the Passover is a central element of the Gospel. You see, for if we understand the Passover, we understand the Gospel. If we understand the Passover, and Jesus, we understand the gospel. But from that day forward, everything changed. Did the children of Israel become perfect? Absolutely not. We're about to get frustrated with them over the next few weeks. Get ready. Complaining bunch of people. They were my kids. Mm, anyway. But this newly freed, this newly liberated people had experienced God's grace like they had never experienced before. They had activated a word that is extremely important in the Christian life. And that, that word is faith. Think about it. God, you, you've shown nine plagues. To, some of them to Egypt, some of them to everybody. You've shown nine plagues. We're your children. We know you can do whatever you want to do. Okay? And now, God, you're saying on the 10th plague... You're going to kill our firstborn sons? God, I know you can do it. Okay, God, what do we, what do we have to do for that not to happen? Well, I need you to um, kill a lamb or a goat. and Just take the blood. Just kind of put it over the door of your house. You know what that took? Faith. Can I be so bold to say that took unreasonable faith? God, you're telling me You're going to kill everybody, but if I put blood on my doorpost, I'm good. That that didn't just take obedience. That took faith. God, you're going to spare my son because I I put some liquid blood over top of my door? You know, the children of Israel experienced the word faith. Was that really going to save lives? Was that really going to spare their children? They had to obey but they had to obey in faith. They had to obey in faith, believing that what God said was the truth. And by the way, that is exactly what has been passed down from generation to generation to generation. And that is this we believe in faith that what God says is the truth. It is that grace that has been passed down from generation to generation. You see, the children of Israel experienced grace now, at that moment, and for generations to come. This morning, if you study the Judaism, the Jewish religion, you'll find a great danger that is presented there, and that is understanding this Old Testament Passover without accepting the New Testament Jesus. There's there's a great danger. There's a great danger in learning the law and divorcing the law from Jesus. You see, the Jewish religion today denies that Jesus is the Messiah. And so while they keep the Passover and while they may uh, celebrate the feasts, it's minus the lamb. And this morning, let's not get so caught up in the the this and that, and and all the regulations of the law that we missed, the overall picture. And that is that Jesus Christ came and that Jesus Christ was the Passover. If this text and the surrounding texts are to be thought of as the heart of the Bible, to be thought of as the heart of the Old Testament and the key event in displaying the gospel in the entire Old Testament... And may we understand completely that it very obviously points to Jesus. And I ask you today, just as those Hebrew families understood their depravity, they understood what was at stake, life and death, and in faith they obeyed. And they claimed, literally claimed, the blood of a lamb. This morning, may we understand in the New Testament that Jesus Christ was the lamb of God. He was the lamb that was slain. And his blood, never-ending, perfect blood, can be applied on your behalf. Activating the love and the mercy and the grace of God. In your life. You get new life in Christ. The same way they did at the Passover. Claiming the blood of Jesus. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross. I cling. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. Precious blood. Holy blood. Passover blood. If you're here today and you're feeling the weight of your sin. If you're feeling today the weight of your guilt. If today you're feeling the bondage That living outside of Christ brings. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came. You can believe it or deny it, it's up to you. But he came and he lived a perfect life. Let me tell you what Jesus claimed He claimed to be God. He claimed to be God. So I will bring this to you. He either is God or he is a fraud. Listen closely. Jesus either is who he says he was or he is a fraud. And today, if you have been considering Jesus, today I call you to consider this. You either declare him as Lord Or you declare him to be a liar. He claimed to be the Passover lamb. He claimed to be God wrapped in flesh, incarnate, Emmanuel. And that is a terribly risky thing to claim. Jesus either is who he says he was. Or he's a liar. So I call you today, maybe skeptic. I call you today, maybe person who is questioned or maybe you're brand new to this. I call you today to consider that Jesus is exactly who he said he was. That when he claimed to be the son of the most high God, that he is exactly who he said he was. And if Jesus be exactly who he said he is, then he deserves our 100% worship. He deserves everything about us. He deserves our heart. He deserves our eternity. He deserves our lives. And if it isn't true, let's pack all this mess up. I'd rather be on the lake fishing this morning. If it's not true, hey, if it's not true, Hey, look, Bobby, let's sell this thing, man. Let's go in 50-50, man. If it's not true, if it's not true, let's pack it up and go home. But if it is true, let's bow. If it is true, let's submit our lives to him. If it is true, let's give our lives to him. If it is true, and you've never asked him to be your savior and believed and received the gospel today, I'm calling you to do that. He is the Passover. And just as the children of Israel and the Hebrew families would be saved by the blood of a lamb, you today can be saved because Jesus hung on a cross. And his perfect holy blood spilled out. And that blood was placed on the mercy seat for you. You say, how much blood of Christ do I need? all of it. So do you, and 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 so do you, so do you, so do you. It's never ending. It's never ending. It's like your wife's purse. Every time you dig in there, you're going to find something else. That's the blood of Christ. Every time you reach in there, you can, man, I pulled out 37 pounds of stuff, and there's little, and there's more. How much mercy do we need? All of it. And every time we reach for it, there's more. How much grace do we need this morning? All of it. Every time you go back to the reservoir of grace, we just need all of it. God, I'm coming to you. I just need it. I need all of your grace again. All of it. He wants to save you. Listen, three years, whatever. At the end of the day, if one person comes to faith in Christ, it's worth it all. It's worth it all. Have you today trusted in the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, the lamb of the New Testament? Not a lamb, but the lamb, the lamb of God, who came to take away your sin. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystone church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media ministry and outreach ministry of Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and all around the world. Visit keystonerdu.church to get involved.